Hello and welcome to the Get a Game Plan podcast hosted by the Louisiana Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, or GOSEP. We have a lot of good information for you on this episode concerning emergency sheltering and emergency housing. I'm Mike Steele, the Communications Director for GOSEP. GOSEP is the Louisiana State Coordinating Agency for resources needed to handle an emergency. Each parish has an Office of Emergency Preparedness Director. Should an emergency strain resources at the local level, we step in to offer state support. GOSEP recently hosted a National Sheltering and Housing Workshop in New Orleans. The event brought together people involved in a wide range of emergencies from areas such as Louisiana, Texas, New York, and Puerto Rico in order to discuss lessons learned and the future of those operations. On this episode, we will start by speaking with workshop participants, including FEMA Region 6 Administrator Tony Robinson and the Secretary of Housing for Puerto Rico, Fernando Heal. We will also feature information you need as we approach the start of the 2018 Atlantic hurricane season. The experts say conditions call for an above-average storm count, but as we often say with our partners from the National Weather Service, all it takes is one storm if that particular system impacts your state or region. One of the things we want to do each episode is give you a preparedness tip. Today we want to talk about the importance of flood insurance. Regardless of what happens during hurricane season, flooding is the number one threat for people living in Louisiana. It can impact any area. Here is Stephanie Boswell with FEMA with more on why you should check on flood insurance. Louisiana homeowners, renters, and business owners are urged to purchase affordable flood insurance through the National Flood Insurance Program. A few inches of flood water can cause thousands of dollars worth of damage. Flood insurance is recommended even when properties aren't in floodplains or high-risk zones. Properties located in high-risk areas have at least a one in four chance of flooding during a 30-year mortgage. Properties located in moderate to low-risk areas may qualify for low-cost preferred risk policy rates. More than 50% of the homes and businesses damaged by the August 2016 floods in Louisiana were located in moderate and low-risk areas. The NFIP dispersed more than $2.4 billion to Louisiana policyholders for this disaster. The average claim payment for this disaster was more than $90,000. Payments are calculated on the value of the structure minus the depreciation at the time of the disaster. In addition to coverage for structures, NFIP offers content coverage as low as $48 in some areas. There is a 30-day waiting period between purchasing a policy and the date the policy goes into effect. FEMA assistance is not the same as insurance. Assistance only provides the basic needs for a home to be habitable insurance coverage covers much more damage. NFIP payments are not dependent on state or federal disaster declarations. Thank you, Stephanie. That is today's preparedness segment.
We are on location again at the National Sheltering and Housing Workshop here in New Orleans. Uh, we have a lot of special guests from around the world, basically, that have joined us for this event. Several different states, a few dozen states, Puerto Rico being one of them, and also uh, a few territories have joined us for this event. And we're taking a look at everything from short-term housing to long-term housing projects after a major disaster. Uh, we have Fernando Hill with us. He's the uh, Secretary of Housing for Puerto Rico. Uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. If you could tell us a little bit about how the recovery process is going now in Puerto Rico after uh, the hurricanes last year. Sure, and actually thank you, and, and thank you for the great state of Louisiana too, and, and, and especially his governor, like uh, John Bell Edwards, his wife Donna, uh, as you may know, like, and, and as we, point out yesterday i mean like they were like instrumental in our recovery and response efforts uh they were like first to call over there the governor assigned like around 300 guards plus uh there was like a special task force for housing specifically led by colonel william rochelle who used to to work at goship at that time and i mean like their help was like instrumental for us in, in at that time and especially in this time like they gave us like that cornerstone of what the recovery must be and, and share their experience and lesson learned with uh, with us from the start. And I mean, it was so, so good that when we had like the opportunity to come here and, and so thank you for the opportunity of being here to present what was been doing with it. Uh, it was like a, a no brainer. We said like, yeah, we're there. Cause we all, I mean like, especially I personally think I, I owe to the city in terms of like all the help and stuff like that, we're really thankful in Puerto Rico. The governor of Puerto Rico, Ricardo Rosario, met with uh, the governor, John uh, Bell Edwards, and they they talk about like, not only like the response phase, but actually the recovery and in terms of public policy and how important it is to be wise with the amount of money that you might receive from the federal government and how do you have to serve your constituents, but at the same time, be really careful in terms of like the financial, uh, financials of the, of the of the state at the end of the day and 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 actually i've been like listening to the governor and, and i know like the the advice from governor bell edwards resonate in his brain because all the things that they discussed that during those days are being planning in, in terms of like the public policy in terms of like the taxes in terms of like uh how much money should go obviously to the communities which the vast amount all of them will go there but also like the resiliency and, and all the things that that New Orleans can share with us. I mean, like, and when you look, you look to, to New Orleans right now and the squares and stuff like that, you see like how vibrant the city is after like the 2005 Katrina. I've noticed in a lot of the presentations, we of course have people here from, from New York talking about issues with Sandy, from Texas talking about issues with Harvey, uh, from Louisiana talking about our issues after the 2016 floods. It sounds like a lot of the issues that, that we work through are, are pretty common. Is, is that kind of what you're seeing uh, with Puerto Rico as well? Yeah, actually, like the experience and the presentations that they were sharing, as we mentioned yesterday, it's, it's incredible how, like, do we have, like, the same issues and how, like, obviously it changed from disaster to disaster because all the disasters are different and, and are based not only on, like, the, like the geography or topography of, of the land and, 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 the, and the state or jurisdiction, but also the idiosyncrasy of it and then the cultural thing about it. And and we feel like really uh, identified with New Orleans and, and, and with Louisiana in terms of the culture. Because if you look at it, I mean, like, it's part, it was part of France and it was part of Spain. We were part of Spain until like 1898 when, when the U.S. got us as a spoil of war for the Spanish-American War and that's things. And 
we see like how the city, for example, is, is built, like some of the concepts that they have from the Spanish era too. And, and, and it's incredible how, how that came to play and, and how we're using that experience and that same cultural in terms of our recovery. So we are like right now in a, in a really, uh, the first step with the step program, and no pun intended in that sense, with Tu Hogar Renace, that is uh, uh, translate to like your, your, your home is reborn. And, and we said like make the difference between home and house. Because for us, like home, it, it, hogar in Spanish, it, it means more than the unit. It, it means more than the, the actual uh, structure. It means like the value, like the social, and uh, how family, is, it's, it's the temple of the family in, in, in that home. And, and, and we want to give that back to, uh, to the people. We want to give that hope back. And we have been able to do that, you know, like we're expecting to do 75,000 homes already. We request like a, a PW that it was like up to $1.6 billion, all costs included. Uh, we follow all the procurement guidelines. We make procurements for general contractor, oversight managers, and, and program managers. And we have like a really good structure in, in terms of like uh, how are we going to manage that first step to go into the CDBG now that we were like a... Uh, it was like in the supplemental for the 2017 uh, disasters that include uh, uh, Irma and, and, and Harvey. It also covered Puerto Rico. I mean, like the approbation was uh, made on, on September 8th and we got uh, Hurricane uh, Maria in September uh, 20th. So HUD was like really kind. Like I have to say this, but I mean, uh, Deputy Secretary Pamela Patinon has been like an extremely an awesome, great ally with us. She has visited the island uh, four times in, in around six months. And it's the first time and, and on behalf of president, uh, of the president, obviously, and, and also of Secretary Carson that was there too uh, for, for a meeting with her and, and the governor and myself. And, and, and she's been like really worried about, she has bring, and brought like a lot of things that we were aware of and, and, and they've been discovered, for example, like as squatter communities and stuff like that. And she want to be like in, instrumental in how can we change that. So she's pointing out in the direction and giving, giving us like that direction to give titles and fee simple to a lot of the squatter communities that we classify them as, as user in, in a process that we, we, we do before handling a, t a title to a person that will help us in the future to mitigate and, and, and to being able to, to provide people with the uh, individual assistance that, that they need for a future uh, hurricane, because as you know, I'm, people might know, like Puerto Rico is in that door of the hurricane alley. So we're always like, see if we're gonna get hit either by, by the north or by the south. And, and it's interesting, because I was like seeing later on, like, uh, I mean, before uh, talking to you in this sense, seeing like the people in the, in the room, and I was thinking about like, why don't we probably make like a coalition of jurisdictions that, that are prompt to, to hurricanes and, and, and floods. So we can establish this like best practice uniform and, and we can share the experience. So we have a, a, a more like a bigger scenario of how can we handle things with different topography, with different uh, cultures with, and, and different aspects of the, of the, of the atmospheric uh, uh, phenomena that we're getting, you know, so, or, or hurricanes in that sense. Uh, and, and it's something that I'm, I'm going to propose to Jim Wascom, who has also uh, been like 
instrumental great friend become great friend during these times and 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 we know each other like in the sense of like we got each other's back and that goes with the government with our governor office for for safety and and, and preparedness and stuff like that for the year you know well, we appreciate you guys uh, joining us on behalf of GOSEP. Thank you so much for being here and, and being a part of this uh, workshop. And, and we look forward to working with you guys in the future for, to help find better ways for all of us to serve our citizens it's, better. It's a real, it's like a real pleasure for us to be here. And, you know, like in Puerto Rico and with us, you have a, an ally. And, and it's because I, I, we believe that, you know, friends in needs are like the true friends and we were in need uh, you guys were one of the first ones to be there as well as the city of new york and the, and the state of new york under government cuomo that he was like also instrumental in our recovery and build back better policies that we're developing we are at the first ever national sheltering and housing workshop taking place here in new orleans where we've brought in partners from all over the country to help us uh, talk about some of the needs that basically affect a community from the moments disaster strikes and sheltering needs are, are, are there all the way through some of the long-term housing assistance needed to help people recover from major events. We have uh, FEMA Regional Administrator from Region 6, Tony Robinson, with us here now. Mr. Robinson, I guess if you could uh, explain to us why it was important for uh, Region 6 to help take part in this workshop. Well, thank you, Mike. And first, I want to commend uh, the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness for pulling this together and, and bringing in representatives from, from states around the country, uh, FEMA regions around the country, and, and, and for this important summit. Because as we've seen in the last two years, 2016 here in Louisiana, 2017 in Texas, uh, Florida, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, and then out in California where they had the fires, is it's not a matter of, uh, of, of if, but when disaster is going to strike and we need to shelter people. Uh, and then we need to look for temporary and long-term housing. So, and that really is an important piece to getting people back to the community and getting that disaster recovery. So it's very important to kind of come together, talk about the best practices we've seen implemented across the country, and then how do we learn from one another and get better so we can serve survivors. So once again, we can get them back to some sense of normalcy post-disaster. I know one of the things we've kind of taken a look at, uh, following the 2016 floods, Louisiana implemented the Shelter at Home program, which was uh, a, sort of an intermediate program designed to help people get through the uh, disaster itself all the way through some of the long-term assistance that's out there. But we've seen other states kind of build on these programs as well. Is that important to kind of take a look at what's been done in the past and, and how we can improve on that? Absolutely. And I think that's a great benefit uh, of, of the program today is to talk about, first, there's not a one-size-fits-all. So where have we seen program implemented? And I think the Shelter at Home program that Louisiana has done is kind of seen as a model. And, and we've seen states build off that. What were the lessons that Louisiana learned? What were the things that they said, you know, don't don't want to replicate this you want to learn from this so i think we just had a great uh, couple of days here where we've been able to share those lessons learned and be able to help uh, states and, and federal entities come together because at the end of the day housing sheltering it is a whole community event it takes citizens involved local government state government private sector the federal government all working together and i think we're hearing about those things today and what are those best practices where we can partner together before an event happens so we're going to be ready when it does happen and I guess one of the most startling facts I heard uh, in the presentations this morning was was by a uh, FEMA representative who talked about in September of last year, in mid-September, there was one point where I believe 200,000 people, 200,000 Americans, 
between several different states and, and some of our territories needed sheltering on that particular day. I guess as an organization, that's something you guys have to constantly take a look at those types of needs because I, I guess you're never uh, guaranteed any break from disasters. They could, they could happen in multiple places at multiple times. Yeah, and I, I think the one thing is, once again, is, is disasters are a partnership. So at the local level, they're going to be the primary for that immediate sheltering, uh, supported by the state, the federal government, our volunteer agencies. And I think what we've heard about today is, you, you know, in any given day, uh, disasters can strike. And so as we've talked about today, we've got to be ready, we've got to know who those partnerships are, know those in advance so that we're ready to do that, that sheltering and be uh, partnered together at all levels of governor, government, working with our volunteer agency partners in the private sector so they all come together when, when people really need us to be there for them. Sir, thank you very much, and thank you for helping us make this workshop a success. Thank you, Mike. Before we get back to our interviews from the National Sheltering and Housing Workshop, we wanted to work in the emergency resource segment for this episode. Our Get a Game Plan messaging is not just for our podcast. Be sure to check out GOSEP's Get a Game Plan website for a wealth of information on any type of emergency that could impact this region. There is information about all phases of emergency management, from planning through recovery. There are sections highlighting your personal emergency plans, information for kids, information regarding pets, information for business owners, and you can download a copy of the Louisiana Emergency Preparedness Guide from this site. Hurricane season is around the corner. It's time to review this information, and we hope you use it year-round to help you deal with any crisis. That is today's resource segment. We continue our discussions with some of the guests here at the National Sheltering and Housing Workshop taking place in New Orleans this week. We have Mr. Earl Randall. He is the uh, Field Office Director for Housing and Urban Development, or HUD, for Louisiana. Mr. Randall, thank you for joining us. We're taking a lot of deep discussions into effect here, uh, dealing with everything from short-term recovery to long-term recovery. Uh, how important is it from HUD's standpoint to address these issues now uh, for the next disaster we may be facing uh, somewhere in the country? Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I think it's very important that we start to address both short-term and long-term uh, recovery simultaneously because as we make those short-term uh, decisions, we need to really think about what's happening long term. So if I do something in, in the interim, how does this affect us down the road? You know, what, what, what choices or what decisions are we making for communities that are, are maybe six, eight, uh, a, a year, eight months or a year down the road? So we need to really start making those things, uh, uh, those decisions uh, at that point but also understanding who's at the table, who's who's there to make uh, the critical decisions, who who are the role players, who are the stakeholders, all of those people that we need to bring to those tables to make those types of uh, decisions should be informed right at the beginning when, when, we, uh, when we're responding to a disaster, uh, let alone also planning for uh, the future recovery of it. 
I know one of the things that kind of hit home that a lot of people were talking about during your particular presentation was uh, you started out with a video of a, of a track team, a relay team that broke a world record a few years ago, and it was pretty much a, uh, a seamless race for those guys with the handoffs and everything, and you made that point in talking about how recovery needs to be addressed. Could you kind of tell us a little bit more about that? So when we look at recovery, recovery is a team effort. You know, when you, you, you approach your recovery, an action response and recovery is team effort. When you look at it, you bring multiple players to the, to the track. And, and, I, and I'll use that analogy to track. And so when, when the gun sounds, that's the disaster. And so when you're running that first leg, you want, you want to put your, your, your best team on the track. And so when you're running that first leg and you come to that point where it's time to pass the baton, you want to be in a position where you can, you can have that seamless transition. As we move from immediate response into short-term recovery, we want to have that smooth transition to those partners that are working in the short term that may, helping, may, that may be helping us to identify some temporary housing solutions or some temporary uh, some, some bridge solutions to longer-term solutions. So you want to be able to pass that baton and have it seamlessly to, in order to run to that next level. When we talk about the more longer-term situations, you know, we want that leg of the race to be as seamless as possible also. And so when uh, the, the FEMA IA assistance and, and, and for some, in some regards the FEMA PA assistance kicks in, we want that to be a smooth transition to when CDBGDR may, may be kicking to maybe serve some of the, the gaps that are, are there in, in that effort. So I utilize that, that, that analogy a lot because it, it really tells us what we need to be doing. We need to run our strongest leg of the race and pass that baton off and really cheer for that next leg of the race as, as, as it comes up. We think that's a great point because I know I've heard our management and working with the governor's office here in Louisiana, we talk about recovery to the public is just recovery. It's not federal recovery, state recovery, local recovery. We're all in this together. And so we try to we try to hammer that point home uh, with any of the projects that we work on and any of the agencies that we deal with. Uh, one of the things I picked up on particular is, we, you know, we're talking about a lot of different housing programs from across the country, literally from Puerto Rico to Florida to Texas to the Carolinas, uh, all over the place. But a lot of the issues that come up seem to be pretty common, no matter what part of the country uh, people are talking about. How, how is HUD uh, helping address some of those, and, and what do you think some of the changes could be coming down the road? Well, I, I think HUD plays a vital role because we become that, uh, that great convener. You know, we were able to pull uh, disaster grantees from all across the country to share that knowledge. And uh, as we, we deal with grantees that, that may have dealt with Katrina, Rita, or, or, or Sandy uh, with uh, New York and New Jersey, those, those types of grantees, we're able to pull their expertise and their knowledge and be able to share that with other places. Uh, more recently in Puerto Rico, we're able to, uh, to point Puerto Rico in the direction of grantees that may have experienced some of those things. So no grantee or no municipality or no entity has to start from zero, has to start from square one. The knowledge base is there, the expertise is there, and, and HUD is there to kind of help, you know, bridge those gaps and, and, and really create those networks that will keep communities recovering. Sir, thank you very much. Uh, on behalf of GOSEP, thank you for being a part of the workshop this week, and we appreciate you taking time out with us. All right. Thank you for having me. Joining us now from the National Sheltering and Housing Workshop in New Orleans is Molly Keller 
from the state of Texas with the general land office in the state of Texas. Your office is one of the agencies that's that's been assigned to help with a lot of the, the housing issues dealing with the recovery from the hurricanes. Uh, tell us a little bit about that process, how things are going, and, and any lessons you may be picking up here at the workshop. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, so the General Land Office, or the GLO, uh, we were served this mission back in mid-September from the governor, and we were told we were going to implement the short-term housing as well as the typical work we do under the General Land Office and the Community Development and Revitalization Program that we're in, um, which does the long-term recovery as well. So it was, uh, it was a really interesting time um, for these programs to roll out um, and an interesting mission to be handed, but um, we were really excited because it was it was a great opportunity to kind of see both ends. And as we've been talking during this workshop, that having that seamless transition has been is, is very important for the overall recovery for these survivors. So um, you know we're still in the process of of implementing these short term solutions. A lot of them are kind of getting closer to an endpoint. We are still implementing the PREPS program that I'm overseeing, and that is the, the one sheltering program that we have. And then we also initially were given five short-term uh, options, five short-term programs. And those have changed over time as we've kind of learned as we've, as, as we've grown. Um, and so the, we have the direct assistance for limited home repair, which is the FEMA's version of permanent housing construction, or PHC. Um, we had the multifamily lease and repair and the direct lease, and those kind of combined and, and went back to FEMA. They were able to kind of serve that population a little bit better. Um, and then finally, we had the MHU, um, and so we are still kind of finishing that up as well. So, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of work, a lot of long hours, um, but a really committed staff and a really great cooperation with with both our internal team at the GLO as well as FEMA. I know historically we in Louisiana uh, depend on Texas. You're one of our, our greatest partners uh, when we're facing any type of crisis. And I know we we typically try to step up to help each other out. Uh, with this particular workshop, we're seeing a lot of information kind of going back into the past. We have people here from New York talking about issues with the uh, recovery after Sandy. You have people from Louisiana with the 2016 floods. You guys are here. Puerto Rico's here. A lot of the, I guess, the issues that develop seem pretty common no matter what part of the country we're talking about. Is that kind of what you guys are seeing uh, with the presentations as well? Yeah, and I would like to add, you know, thanks for that shout out, but this really is kind of a neighbors helping neighbors. We learned a lot from Louisiana as we were implementing our Texas program, specifically the preps is very similar to the shelter at home program you had here in Louisiana. So I just think, you know, from my perspective, this was a great opportunity to really see how these programs implemented, you know, their their programs, but then also kind of really hear from the horse's mouth what those solutions were, what their best practices were. Because when I was handed this, what did I do? I Googled it. And when you Google it, you find all the, you know, horrible stories, the salacious stories, the ones that sell. And it's not maybe really how it went down. So yeah, there might be some kernels of truth in there, but the reality is really hearing it from the people who put them on, who lived it, um, you get a lot more back from that. 
So it was, it's really a great opportunity to really hear from all these people, some that have finished their programs, some that are still finishing it, some that are still implementing it, like ours in Puerto Rico's. So it's really kind of a cool, cool time to see how these programs have emerged um, as we've gone on. And we just hope that we continue to take the lessons learned from the previous ones as we implement future ones as well. Uh, going forward, I know in Louisiana we only had a matter of days to kind of get the sheltered home program up and running. Uh, you guys faced a very similar time crunch in some ways. Uh, do you think there's a way we can take a lot of these programs and, and like you mentioned, the lessons learned and kind of um, build a permanent tool to have available for recovery? Uh, do you think we can establish you know, some standards with these programs and, and maybe have them a little more ready to roll out in times of need? Yeah, I think so. I think um, for, from Texas's perspective, you know, again, we had the sheltering program and then we had five direct housing missions. And um, But we're learning this and we think maybe in the future, maybe we only roll out three of those, you know, the ones that are easier to implement or the ones that maybe were the better cost solution. So um, I think as we're experiencing and, and, you know, working these programs as we go, we're really learning which ones actually worked. And we might even know which one should we roll out first or should we roll them all at, at the same time? We're kind of, we can kind of, you know, step back, look at the bigger picture and really see how, how should we roll these out in the future? Now we've got some practice in them. We kind of know what works best within the individual programs, but you can step back from that and say, look at all these tools we can use now. Um, and, and see when, when should we use one over the other, when should we use both, and the, and the timing compared to, you know, directly after the disaster, when they should be implemented. So, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity to do that. That sounds great. Well, thank you on behalf of GOSEP. Thank you for being part of the workshop here in New Orleans. And also thank you, uh, you know, to the state of Texas for being a, a wonderful partner uh, anytime we're facing a crisis here in the Gulf Coast. So thank you. Thank you for joining us for our Get a Game Plan podcast. We want to thank everyone who helped make the first National Sheltering and Housing Workshop a success and those who joined us for the podcast. We want to thank the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA, for use of their studio. Sign up to be an organ donor today. Find out more at DonateLifeLA.org. For more on the topics we talked about today, go to getagameplan.org and also don't forget to follow GOSEP on Facebook and Twitter. This podcast is produced in partnership with LOPA and the Gifted Life Podcast. Find out more about organ, eye, and tissue donation by listening to the Gifted Life podcast at thegiftedlife.org or download it from your favorite podcast app.